Do you want 2017 to be the year that you've always dreamed a year could be? You've got to make a resolve of purpose. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. And that's where this message is birthed out of in keeping first things first. So I take you to the center of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Don't you think if it's the only sermon Jesus preached, it probably meant something? And he probably got something he wants us to hear? Am I making sense today? Look what he taught here. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. See, the first thing Jesus does, he jumps right into the temporal, right to where you and I live. He said, we got to do something. If we're going to have purpose, it's we got to have a correct focus. He said, don't look at this earth as your stopping place. The Bible talks about Abraham, how he sojourned. He never built a house. He lived in tents because he was looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. Jesus, the very first thing he said, do not store up for yourself treasures on this earth where moth and rust do destroy and thieves break in and steal. And then he said these words, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. They're going to start a series in the women's meeting uh, next week on Driven by Eternity. The very first thing, Jesus calls the disciples. He takes them to the top of Mount Beatitudes, sets them down with thousands of others, and he gives the only sermon he ever gave. And he said, guys, let me tell you something. If you want to have purpose in your life, if you want to have a reason for living, you got to get your eyes off the world and get them where they actually belong, and that is heaven. Get your eyes off the temporal and put them on the eternal. Ladies and gentlemen, too many of us spend too much time focused on the here and now that we forget about the then and there. Am I making any sense today? He said, why? Because in heaven, the eternal, moth and rust do not destroy. Thieves cannot break in and steal. And then he gives one of those famous little, little uh, axioms for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Now I want to stop there and just meditate for just a second, where your treasure is. Don't answer this, but how many of you are really looking forward to heaven? How many is heaven really your treasure? Pastor, that's kind of a, an odd question. 
you know, I could follow you around for one day and tell you if that's really true or not, whether heaven is your treasure, just by the focus that I see in your life. That scripture says if your focus is the temporal, you're not focused on the eternal. Well, how am I going to just get by? Pastor, that, that's, come on, you can't, you can't negate that. You're right, I can't. But I'm not getting by with my 40 hours a week. I'm not getting by with my employment. I'm not getting by with my house. This is a temporal resting place. This is a passing through place. And my treasure is not going to be focused. My treasure is going to be the eternal, not the temporal. And then he goes into this, and I want you to look at it. The eye. He goes from where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And then what's he start talking about? He starts talking about the eye. Now, immediately we start thinking about the natural eye. And he is talking about the natural eye. But when you get into what he's literally describing there, is he's talking about a duplicit mentality. When he's talking about the eye, he's talking about the singular focus of life. He said when your eye or your perspective is the lamp of the body, you will have a correct perspective. Look what he says here. If your eye is healthy. Now, you go into the Greek, and I love to do this. I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about it because people just go, whoa, 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 whoa. He said when your eyes are healthy, that word healthy, I went and looked it up. I thought, okay, God, does that just mean, you know, how? It literally means without a double agenda. World, heaven, that's a double agenda. You got your foot in both places. You say, well, Pastor, how do you not live that way? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you this morning. I'm going to help us to understand at the beginning of this new year how to put first things first. If your eyes are healthy or without a double agenda, look what it says, the whole body is full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, you got one foot in the world and one foot in Christ, look what he says here, the whole body is full of darkness. And then I want you to look in your notes there, and I want you to underline this line. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. What is he saying? He's saying if you think your life is okay just like it is because you're living in the world and in God, God says you've got a darkness that's hard to penetrate. You've got a temporal focus that is overrunning the eternal focus because you have a double agenda. Am I making sense this morning? Three people said yes. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he goes on to say these famous words. No man can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God. Many of your translations will say money. Once again, you go into the original language. It talks about the prevailing system of the world. That's what mammon is, okay? And we're going to break that down here in just a second. Why do so many people struggle with purpose in life? 
Very simply, it's because first and foremost, we have double, we have wrong priorities, which is literally a double standard. Look at the scripture. I'm going to break it out. God says we cannot serve God and mammon. That word mammon from the Strong's literally means treasure. It means riches. But more importantly, it means a system personified and opposed to God. In James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, look what it says here. When you ask of God, when you ask of God, what's the next line say? What's it say? Be sure your faith is in God alone. Say that with me. Be sure your faith is in God alone. Sadly, most of us when we pray, we have a contingency clause out there. We ask God and then we start figuring out exactly how God's going to do it. Matter of fact, some of us tell God how he's going to do it. Look what he says here. When you ask of God, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. There's that term, double agenda. Do not waver. For such a person with a divided loyalty, a double agenda is unsettled, just like the wave of the sea that's torn and blown and tossed. And look what it says here. What's the next line? Read it with me. Such people should not expect to receive anything from God. Look at me. I want 2017 to be a year of purpose. I want your life to prosper. I want your life to excel. I want your life to be victorious. But God gives us a very clear understanding. There's only one way you can do this. Look what it says at the end of James 1, verse 8. For their divided loyalty, or their loyalty is divided between what? God and the world. Therefore, they are unstable in everything. We go to church. Many of us return our tithes to God. Some of us don't. Say, well, Pastor, that's... You know, people, you know, you talk about money, people get offended. That's okay. I'm going to talk about money anyway because God tells me to talk about money. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about our loyalty. Do you know some in this room, your God is money. Some in this room, your God is your wife or your husband, your children, your job, your car, your sports team. Mammon, in your notes, is a Syrian word. And it literally means whatever in the world is accounted by us to be gained. Whatever benefits you, whatever benefits me, with God out of the equation is what the Bible considers mammon. Let me break it down in what the Scripture says. It says, whatever is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is considered mammon. And then I break it down even a little bit more. It could be selfish desires or motives. It could be ease or slothfulness or laziness. It could be sports or even pastimes. Blatantly, 
It is worldly riches, honors, nobilities. Whatever constitutes the praises of men over the praises of God. Remember the Pharisees? Jesus was always talking about the issue they had. The only place in Scripture that God commended the Pharisees, only place, was their tithing. Now put that in your pipe and smoke it. Jesus, well, don't, no, don't smoke your pipe. Don't, yeah. Bill, yeah, it's just what, yeah. In a simple word, mammon could be described as self. It is literally the unity of the sensual and secular, which cannot be served in conjunction with God, for it contradicts and it's in competition. First John chapter 2, 15 and 16, look what it says. Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. Pretty pretty complete there, isn't it? Don't love the world or the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. When the purpose that you have in your life is your career, when the purpose you have in your life is just making money, when the purpose is your, you say, well, that's not bad. They're not bad things until they come to the place to where they separate you from God. Look what it says here. The world offers only a, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. Now, I know some of you are sitting back and saying, well, well, pastor, does that mean I can't have anything? No, you can have everything. You just can't put it before God. Because the minute you put it before God, your purpose is gone. You're, you're not alive on this earth for your 30, 40, 60, 80, 100 years, however long you live. You're not on this to bring glory and to amass things for yourself. You're here to build God's kingdom. Anything less than that is called idolatry. Now, I want you to look at this passage again in Matthew. It does not say we must not. It does not say we should not. It says we cannot serve God and this world system. That's pretty simple. What, isn't it? We can't. God said once you get into one or the other, that's where your loyalty is going to be. But you can't be in both. And look what he said here. He said we love one and hate the other, or listen to this, or we'd hold on to one and despise. Take that word despise out and change it to disregard. Write in your notes there, disregard the other. Because I'm going to open your eyes to something. This is what we do with church. When we've got a double loyalty, when we have a double agenda, pretty soon we start disregarding church. Well, it's not that important I go to church. God understands. He didn't start the church for you not to go. God understands I'm busy. Yeah, that busyness will take you straight to hell. 
That wasn't even in my notes, but that was good. <laughs> Folks, you know that word despise? It's the same word that we find in Hebrews chapter 12, where the Bible says that Jesus dis- endured the cross, despising the shame. He disregarded the shame of it. You know why? He said you were more important. This is why God says in your life and mine, he has to be first because if he's not, he and all the things that he represents and stands for will become disregarded, counted as without value. Is that making any sense? This is why I have such a big issue with prosperity teaching. I'm not opposed to it. The Bible teaches prosperity. I mean, do you want to teach poverty? The Bible teaches prosperity. But there is a reason God teaches it. Everything and all things must point to God. This is why the prosperity teaching must be a balanced teaching as all of God's Word must be balanced. God wants and God intends us to prosper. But as we read in 3 John, as your soul prospers, there is a clear reason for it. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, it's on the screen. Why don't you look at this? Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now, that was interesting. I, I looked up that word wealth, and I've done this many times over the years, but I, I just re, I re, uh, uh, refreshed my mind on it. And do you know the word wealth is only a piece of what it's talking about? He said, it is me that gives you the ability to have might. Take the word wealth out of there. He said, I'm the one that gives you the ability to have might. I'm the one that gives you the ability to be effective. I am the one that gives you the ability to be valiant or to be part of an army. That's what that word wealth means. It's not just money. Oh, we love it. Well, God wants to give me wealth. Okay, let's get rid of all the rest of them and let's just leave wealth because it is part of it. What's the next phrase? To establish what? His covenant, to confirm his covenant. God said, the reason that I give you this ability, this capability, is to let the world know that you have a relationship, you have a covenant, you have a friendship with God, and I take care of you. He said, I do this to establish my covenant on the earth. He said that we would be blessed or rather empowered to prosper. God told Abraham, and it's in your notes, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, he said, I blessed you. Why did God bless him? It says right there on the screen. It says right in Genesis 12 too. Why did God bless Abraham? To make him rich? Why did God bless Abraham? To give him everything? Why did God bless Abraham? So he could build a bigger house? So he could get a better car? Or a better 
donkey. Why did God bless Abraham? What's it say? You have lots of money. It ain't for you. Oh, no, don't worry. I'm not taking an offering. He wants people to see himself in you because he wants to work through you. Have you ever bought something that after you got it, you really didn't want it, and you found somebody else that really needed it, and you gave it to them? Have you ever done that? See, God blesses to be a blessing, to establish his covenant. And look what God told Abraham. He said, if you will keep me first, he said, if you will pursue me, all of my blessings will come and overtake you. If you will just put me first in everything, if you will pursue God, God said, my blessings will pursue you. This is the order of things. It's not to pursue blessings. It's not to pursue wealth. It's not to pursue a provision. It is to pursue God. And God said, guys, don't worry. I'll take care of the rest of that. Matthew chapter 6 in your Bibles. Guess where I'm at? I'm still in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm still in the only sermon Jesus preached. Don't you think this might be an important sermon to listen to? Look what he says in, John, in Matthew 6, just a little bit further down the road from our text. He said, don't worry about having enough food and clothing. And then he puts a statement in there that just kind of gets me to the heart. Look what he says. Why be like the heathen? Ooh. I didn't write it, folks. I'm just preaching it. Look what he said. Don't worry about having enough food and clothing. Why be like the heathen? For they take pride in all the things they have, and they're deeply concerned about them. Look what it says next. It says your heavenly father, he already knows what you need. And I'm going to take care of it, he says. If you give him first place in your life, if you give him first place in your life, and listen to this, just giving him first place, does that mean just showing up in church? Does that mean dropping 20 in the offering? And live as he wants you to. Your purpose is to glorify God. The reason we struggle so much, folks, is we're trying to glorify all kinds of things. And God's not even in the equation. Are you okay out there? See, I want 2017 to be unlike any year in your Christian experience. And the only way I can do that is by taking you smack dab into the middle of probably the most important sermon ever preached on this planet, the sermon that came out of the word of God's mouth himself, Jesus. And from, from, from Matthew 5, 1, all the way through Matthew 7 to the end of the chapter, 
All he said is keep me first. Keep me first. So the question I ask quickly, are you keeping God first? Do you want to prosper? Do you want to be victorious in 2017? This is going to be a recurring thought that God is going to continue to bring back to your mind. Are you keeping God first? In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, look what it says. Beware. When the Bible has that word in there, you think you need to pay attention, don't you? What's it say? Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Guard against anything that comes before God is what it's literally saying in that word greed. Anything that causes value above God. And look what he says here. Because life is not measured by what you own. You hear that recurring thought? Life is not measured. He said, why do you say, I mean, why be like the heathen? They take pride in what they have. God says, guard against every kind of greed because life is not measured by what we own. Look at this. Life is measured by whose we are, not who we are. Life is measured by your relationship in Christ. And what it's literally talking about is attitude, not attainment. Go back to that passage in 1 John. Look what it says. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Go back to James chapter 1. Look what it says here. When you ask him, be sure it is by faith in God alone. Sadly, today in the world that we live, too many expect too much, yet give too little of themselves to God. You see, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your whole life. He said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. He said, I understand this whole thing Jesus is preaching. He said, guys, I understand that this world is going to try to gravitate you and bring you into a bondage of its own. But God said, I want you to know if you'll keep your eyes focused on me, keep your heart focused on heaven, and keep me first in your life, all the rest of this stuff I will take care of. You see, God wants more than lip service. He wants more than just showing up. Being in church doesn't constitute putting God first. It's commitment to the purpose of why we're in church. We had our snow team. Our mighty snow team. Three people. Oh, there's others that said they're going to be a part of it. Jack, I'm there. I'm behind you. Problem is, Jack's looking. He's sitting there so far behind me, I can't even find him. See, it's easy. I'm going to be there. I'm behind you. But what happens when he picks up the phone and says, hey, it's snowing? Jack and I have had this conversation before, and he said, Pastor, should I even really have to call them? They can look out the window. See, it's commitment to the purpose. 
We're, we're not in church for what the church can give us. I think probably the last, I said I don't, I don't get too political, but I do periodically. I think the last good, halfway decent Democrat was John Kennedy. Now, maybe you like him, maybe you don't like him, and I'm advocating. But in his inauguration speech, it's, I can't even speak today. His inauguration speech, what did he say? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. See, that's what God's Word says. I sent my son to die for you. Do I need to do more? And the church is still, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? Are you with me this morning? Matthew 6, do not store for yourself treasures on the earth, but store for yourself treasures in heaven. See, God never intended his blessing to be a status symbol. Keeping first things first is not about, a, 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 about our car. It's not about our finances. It's not about something else. It's about our attitude. Who is first in our life. Look at our text once again out of a different translation. It says this in Matthew 6, 19. I suggest you do not seek security in the accumulation of possessions. The treasures of this world are subject to corruption. If their values increase, someone will find a way to take them from you. We stopped by uh, uh, Alan Lynn's house last night just for a little while, and they were playing a, a game. And, and what was the game called? Pictionary. And it was a lot of fun. I, I don't play games a lot, so I'm, I kind of look like a, you know, a stump on the log over there. But, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I was watching them play, and they were drawing pictures to do all this kind of stuff. And my wife was playing a thing, and, and it was about the IRS. And she was going to try to draw a picture of the IRS, and, and, and she they were trying to do the picture, and they were trying to figure it out, and they couldn't figure it out, and, and nobody figured out the thing. And, and she's on the way home, she said, I know what I could have done, because you can't use symbols. You can't use these different things. She said, I could have drawed, drawn a picture of Uncle Sam with his hand in somebody's pocket. And they would have known it was the IRS. See, that's what the Bible says. When things increase the value, somebody's going to reach in and take it from you anyway. So don't put your trust in worldly riches. Keep God first. Matthew 6, 21 and 23 is telling us over and over it's important to keep God first. That's why he says, if we eye the world and not God, we will be deceived, thinking because we're so blessed, God must be happy with us. I want to look at an interesting Part of 1 John 2.15, look what it says. Do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's an interesting thought. Think about it for what it says. If we love the world, it says we don't love God. If we love the more and more that we can get and put that over guard, disregard the things of God, 
He said, you can't love me. You can't serve God and mammon. Proverbs 27 says it this way. Verse 20, it's not on the screen, so write it down. It says, hell and destruction are never full. Neither are the eyes of man ever satisfied. Let me wrap this up today. Understand this. God wants to and God does bless the faithful. We see that in Proverbs 28, 20. The last point that I want to make as the worship team comes, it's time to put first things first. One man said a very profound statement, kind of in the verbiage that I like. He said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. If you are a child of God, the main thing in your life is you've got to keep Jesus first in everything. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? I'm going to let you go, let you know. Look what it says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That word righteousness means right standing with God, right relationship with God. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And look what he says. He'll give you everything you need. If you'll seek him first above everything else, and live righteously. It's not a matter of just going to church. You can go to church seven days a week and still not make heaven. It's about a right relationship. I can have my name on the roll of a dozen churches and still not make heaven. It's about a right relationship. How do you do that? You seek first the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously. You see, we do not need to pursue things. God said, if you'll put me first and you'll live righteous, I'll take care of everything you need. But we got to get our perspective correct. We got to get our purpose. This year, our resolve needs to be a resolve of purpose. What is my life really all about? If our heart is for more and more of God, you know what he'll do? He'll give you more and more of the things you need, even beyond that, so that you can give to somebody else. That's why he says, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Can we say in this church, just a moment of transparency, that there really is nothing that's before God in my life? Can we really say that? I think not. But I can say that if I see it, I'm going to get rid of it. Why? Because if not, pretty soon that something's going to get into my heart. Where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be. Where that thing that is before God is, pretty soon my heart will be also. Who and what is really first?
Matthew 6, verse 33, in a different translation, says this. When you get a proper perspective, these other things will begin to take care of themselves. I told you at the beginning of this passage, or this message, how Jesus chose his 12 disciples. Well, it's in Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20. Look at what it says here. Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw Peter, Andrew, throwing nets. Jesus called to them and said, Come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And what's it say? Well, they went and had a meeting. They talked about it. They conversed, you know, of the benefits of following Jesus. You know, they sat down, they draw straws, and they said, Okay, you know, maybe this could be a good thing, could be. What do you think? Hey, what's it going to do to my business? What's it going to do to my personal life? Is that what it says? What's it say? At once, they left everything. You see, do you want 2017 to be the year that you've always dreamed a year could be? You've got to make a resolve of purpose. Two days ago. And I had a lot of people say, Pastor, you know, let somebody else preach. I know you got a lot on your plate. And, and yeah, Saturday I was invited to, to be with some, some dear friends, and, and I didn't go. I just, I just wanted to be alone. You know, just, just processing. I didn't think my mom's death would hit me as hard as it did, but it does. Okay? And, but I started thinking, what is my purpose? Can I tell you, my dad died probably four years ago, three, four years ago. My brother died like six or eight weeks just before him. Bam, bam. But before they both died, I made sure their heart was right with God. My mama raised Catholic. Hardcore Roman Catholic, just like me. I sat down talking to her. I said, Mom, why do you you think you're going to go to heaven? She says, because I'm a Catholic. I said, really? And I opened my Bible and said, Mom, can you show me in the Bible where it says that? She said, no, we don't read the Bible in the church. I know that because I'm right to Catholic. We read, we read missiles and we read these, these little different things. And, and so I started showing her in Scripture. Mom, this is what the Bible says. You know what she did? She accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Many years ago when I was pastoring in California, I had this man, his wife came to church, and she, was, she got saved. Glory, she saved. She was tithing and, and giving and, and faith. I mean, she would miss nothing. Well, she started dropping in $20,000 tithe checks. And she's got an unsaved husband. Well, he was, I don't know if he was saved or not, but he was a Catholic, a Roman Catholic. And I'll say that negatively if you, you know, I'm, I'm talking from experience. I'm, that's what, what I was. And he came. I told the office, uh, you keep those offerings to the side. Don't even put them in the bank. Because I was expecting him to show up one of these days and said, my wife didn't have my permission to do that. And so I, I didn't want $100,000 to just come out of the account right away. you know. And so, I'm, and so finally I get the phone call. This man's name was Ray. My wife knows him. Ray and Laura. And uh, 
man's name was Ray. And I told my, I told my, 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 uh, my uh, assistant, I said, if a man named Ray Jones ever calls, I don't care what I'm doing, you put him through. He called. Pastor, it's uh, Mr. Jones. Praise the Lord. I talked to him on the phone. He said, I want a meeting with you. So I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, here it comes. You know, I know what's going on. Walked in my office. Two and a half hours we spent talking about Catholicism, his church, talking about his wife and what happened. At the end of that conversation, Ray Jones asked Jesus into his heart to be his Lord and Savior. Here's the words he said when he left my office. He said, Pastor, I came here today believing in the church. I leave today believing in Christ. I say all of that to say this. I have a purpose in life. Yes, my heart is broke right now. But my purpose is I can't not preach the gospel. I am human. I am a man. I am just... And, and you also graciously did. And I know I could have taken the day. But God said, no. Give them a resolution of purpose to start this year. Immediately, they left the nets. Didn't even think about it. They said, we found purpose in life. Jesus calls us to drop everything. Pastor, you don't know what it's going to cost me. Yes, I do. It's going to cost your life. It's going to cost everything. But he said, if you're going to have purpose in life, you've got to drop it all and join him. He doesn't say think about it. He doesn't say have a meeting about it. He doesn't say contemplate it. He doesn't say to even, you know, to guess where. He just says, do it. And I can promise you, if you will, 2017 will be the greatest year of your life ever. Do you believe that? Say, Pastor, this is a hard thing. Yep. Christianity is easy. It's just hard. It'll cost you everything. This song that we're going to sing is a song that was sang at Ruth Graham's funeral. Billy Graham asked the man who wrote it if he would come and personally sing it because he said, this was my wife's life. And this was my, this is my life. Billy Graham's still alive. He said, this is my life. And ladies and gentlemen, if we want 2017 to be the victorious Christian life God wants it to be, you gotta make a resolve that your life has a purpose. And the purpose is not your job. The purpose is not your vocation. The purpose is not your career. The purpose is not your family. The purpose is not your children, your husband, your wife. The purpose is bringing glory to Christ. You can do that through all of those things, but it only happens when He's first. In the morning, when I rise, in the morning when I rise 
This was at Ruth's funeral. In the morning when I rise, one thing gives me Jesus. You see, Ruth Graham Bell knew there was no other purpose for her life. Billy Graham knew no, there was no other purpose. What is distracting you from the life that God has promised? Yes, a life of prosperity. No, not prosperity is not money. Oh, yes, that's part of it. But it's talking about a life of peace, of promise, of purpose. You gotta put first things first. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me Maybe you're here today, and I know this has gone a little bit long. I didn't mean the, the preliminaries, but they sometimes take long, and our services are usually shorter than this. But I really want to drive this point home. January 1st, 2017, you got to make a decision. Where is Jesus going to be in your life? You want to get over those struggles? You better find out where Jesus is going to be in your life. Because until you put him first, I, there, there, there's kind of a humorous thing around here. Pastor says, uh, Pastor says, praise the Lord for everything. That's right. Because I'm going to praise the Lord in everything. My mom died. My, do- my sister called me at, at, at 6, uh, I think it was 625 on Friday morning. Mom died 10 minutes ago. You know the first words out of my mouth? Praise God. Devastated? Crushed? I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. I've dealt with all kinds. I've dealt with hundreds of deaths. But I didn't deal with mama. I walked in the other room, and you know what I started doing? Oh, Pastor, you broke down crying, didn't you? I said, no. I started calling people to make sure they were okay. I called my brothers. I called my sisters. I called family. I didn't call my wife. I, was, I left her in the bedroom devastated because that was her mom too. But I got up because there's a purpose that drives my life. What's driving yours? You say, well, Pastor, it would have been okay if you wouldn't have done that. Yes, it would have. But the key is, what was the first thing that I did? I ran back to Jesus. Are things falling apart in your life? Are things struck? struggling, or you got difficult, where is Jesus in your life? Where is he? Well, you don't understand what the church did to me. Don't give a flip what the church did to you. That's not about Jesus. Well, this pastor, don't care about this pastor. Where's Jesus? I see all over Facebook they get these little posts on there. You know, if you leave God because of the church, the church wasn't the problem, you were. But you got your eyes in the wrong place. Look what he said in his scripture. 
Don't store up for yourself things on this earth. Store up for yourself things in heaven. God, the whole world's going to let me down, but you're going to lift me up. And when I am alone, yes, when I am alone, those times that I, I'm all alone, only one thing I look for is to get Jesus. That way, no matter what you do to me, no matter what you do to me, you do to me, you do to me, they do to me, the church does to me, guess what? It doesn't make a difference. I know in whom I believe. I know my source. I know my strength. I know my hope. That's my resolve. That's my purpose. We're going to sing this song a little bit more. And I just want to take a moment and open these altars. I know it's getting late. Don't worry. The Baptists still haven't went to lunch. you got time. I'm sorry, it's a bad joke. But anyway, I want to open these altars. And I want to ask you, you've made a resolution. Would you make a resolution with Jesus now? I say, God, I'm not going to let anything else stand between me and you. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to open these altars. And I ask you to do what the disciples did. They didn't think about it. They didn't dwell upon it. Immediately, they left it all and said, I need to find Jesus. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.